0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Physique Science Radio. I'm your host, Lane Norton, with my co-host, Sohi Lee. Hi. And uh, today we're going to be doing another Q&A because um, these always seem to be popular episodes and and the, it's kind of nice because we get to flow with our, with our discussion and a lot of times we're kind of confined by certain things we want to ask our guests. So we're really excited about that. Um, before we get into this, I do want to... Have a shameless plug, maybe. So he, uh, maybe you can have a shameless plug too. We'll trade off. But <laughs> I have a, um, I have an event coming up that I'm promoting. Uh, so I'm promoting a USAPL powerlifting meet in Las Vegas, Nevada, on November 7th, called the Wild West Showdown, and we are only taking 56 lifters. There's gonna be a maximum of 56. Um, It's going to be a one-day event, and it's going to be part of an expo called SkillCon. You can read more about SkillCon at SkillCon.org, and it's going to be an awesome meet. Uh, Anyone can sign up. You just have to be a USAPL member, and you can uh, find out more about that on my website or on the USAPL website, and uh, if you get a good total there, you can qualify for nationals, so there's that opportunity. And also, I'm doing seminars the day before the meet at SkillCon. Uh, you can sign up for those. Those are open to the public. he, as you know, I don't do a ton of public stuff. Mm-hmm. My private stuff sells out pretty darn quick. Pretty so much in but, one day, yeah. Yeah, usually. So if you want a chance to, to see some seminars from me, um, sign up. And also, uh, I'll be doing a camp, a lifting camp, the day after on, on November 8th the, the Sunday after the meet so good opportunity to get us uh, so, to see some me and some seminars and, and attend a day camp get a whole day of lifting with me and and talking to me about whatever you want um, so go to uh, go to my website w uh, I, don't even, I always say WWw <laughs> uh, that, that's how you know I'm from like the, that's how you know I like I grew up with the internet in the 90s uh, just go to biolane com
1: web dot <laughs>
0: exactly as if there wasn't as if there isn't a website that has that um, so if you if you go to biolane uh you can you can click on it it's the first it's the it's a pinned blog post right now so just go there uh, scroll down and you'll you'll see it right there so uh, check it out we'll hope to see some of you guys out there so he got anything you want to plug before
1: um well uh, I guess the latest thing for me was the uh, beginner macros product which got a really good response it's kind of like a... How to Count Macros 2.0 is updated, better version, more comprehensive, more mindset-related. Um, that that came out in mid-July of this year, and um, I'm super proud of it. It's my pride and joy of this year. Uh, and that was my main project. Um, so you can go to BeginnerMacros.com to pick up a copy. We have a Facebook support group for that. I'm also now offering a one-time macro calculation service. Um, this is also new. And um, I, I, I couldn't really offer it in good faith before because I didn't think that it was a good idea to send, just give people numbers and send them on their way. But now that I have the Beginner Macros eBook out, I think it'd be a really good pairing. So um, if you want maybe uh, someone to, an experienced coach, to give you a starting point for your uh, nutrition and you're just getting started on your macro journey, but you don't quite want to coach yet or you can't commit yet. Then I think uh, this is a really good option. You can just um, email macros at sohefit.com for rates and information on that.
0: Yeah, and I thought I thought, I thought the beginner of macros book was excellent. I think Thank it's you. everybody who I've sent that way and has looked into it loves it. And because people, I get that question all the time. How do I count macros? I'm just like, right. go here, spend fifteen. Bucks. <laughs> you was, know, satisfied. When
1: I when I first started coaching, the first year and a half, I. Thought very naively that i will be like, "Oh, no problem. You don't have to know how to count macros. I'll teach you while I'm coaching you." And turns out it's way more labor intensive than I thought. And that's actually how the idea for the ebook came about. <laughs>
0: sure, for sure. So, yeah, I'm happy well, about that. Yeah, it's great. No, you're you're a great water writer, and you do you. awesome with that. So, speaking of macros, um, our first question that I really, uh, really liked, uh, kind of went towards there, and they they asked. Do you see counting macros as something you'll continue for the Uh. rest of your life? What recommendations would you make for those who want to move away from tracking macros but still want to maintain and improve their physique? So I think you have to look at everything on a continuum of what your goals are, okay? So if your goal is just to look good and have fun in the gym and all that kind of stuff, then you can probably just kind of intuitive eat for lack of a better term. And in terms of when I say intuitive eat, I don't mean just eat when you're hungry because I think that hunger signals are very complex, and I think that your bot your mind will tell you you're hungry when you're not actually hungry. Right. Um, and sometimes that, you're
1: thirsty or bored.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So exactly, no, that's exactly right. <laughs> bored- <laughs> boredom is a big trigger yeah. to eat for a lot of people, including myself. So, but I, I think that you know just finding a happy middle ground and saying, okay, you know, I'm not going to weigh everything out, but I'm going to look at that and say, you know, that's about a serving of chicken or, or whatever it is. Sure. And kind of having a rough estimate and tracking your mind. That's essentially what I do in the off season when I'm not prepping for anything or more so, I'll, actually when I'm home, I'll still weigh and all that sort of stuff. But if I'm traveling and uh, I'm not getting ready for anything, uh, I'll just I'll just estimate based on what I'm eating. And that doesn't take me that long out of my day. It really does. It takes me f- five minutes. Uh-huh. So I think I think tracking very strictly to start, you know, in terms of weighing everything under because that helps you understand what portion sizes actually are. And you, you get to be very good at understanding what they are over time. And then over time you can move away from that and become more independent. Um, now that being said, if your goal is to for example, do a physique show and you want to compete every single year. I, I've had this conversation with, with some clients um, who, who, for example, um, I, I have a client currently who's a good friend of ours who um, they really struggle with tracking in the off-season. They, they, they find it kind of exhausting. And, and I think part of that is just they haven't found that middle ground. And that's fine. Like I, I, I'm I'm telling them like I'm look, I don't care if you want to track, right? Or track strictly. However, if you want to compete every single year, this is what's going to be required because you're going to have to stay pretty darn tight in the off season. Mm-hmm. Right? So your whatever your goals are is going to dictate How strict you get with it now? Do I think it can be maintained as a lifestyle? Absolutely, because I've done it for about fifteen years now. You know, and like I said, it really doesn't take much out of my everyday life. And this right now, I maintain you know seven ish eight percent body fat pretty much year round, and I can go. I could go. I mean, so you know how much I travel. Um, Oh yeah. (laughs) I, I can go overseas for weeks. And I'll come back and weigh the exact same or even a little bit less just because I know how to track. And I think that's a skill that once you have it, it just, as long as you use it, you can have it for the rest of your life and, You know, it doesn't erode. So yes, I, I do think it's a maintainable lifestyle. Uh, I think it requires some work, but I think it's the best option we have in terms of balancing physique goals with something that's actually livable as compared to a meal plan, which Good luck hitting your meal plan if you're going for three weeks. I'll show you. You know what I mean. <laughs> so, um, that's that's kind of how I view it.
1: Right, and I think you know as far as if if, if, if it's your macros or uh, flexible dieting, I think absolutely we I neither of us are planning on going back to the you know meal plan the clean eating quote unquote clean eating lifestyle um, that has you know flexible dieting has not found to be has not been found to be inferior. In terms of you know achieving fat loss results or you know just even general health and uh, it's the most sustainable way uh for mac- counting macros it's funny because people always say to me like but Sohi, you wrote the macros like how to, co- how to count macros ebook and i'm like yeah but I, s- I make it very clear that i you know not everyone uh has to count macros year-round i think there's a time and place for counting macros i think for you know if if uh if you're just starting out with macros, I think it's very useful because for a lot of people, it's really eye opening just to see how much they actually eat or or they'll be like, oh, my God, I had no idea that a tablespoon of peanut butter was actually this small, you know, because yes, they exactly um, just, you know, being a, becoming aware of true portion sizes. And, um, you know, for me, when I, this year earlier, when I was preparing for my powerlifting meet, for example, I didn't track macros until three weeks out from weigh-ins that's when i started tracking macros because my body weight was um relatively stable enough that i just said okay if i if i maintain my body weight at around where i am right now then i can just do a really quick cut at the very end and i'll be fine and without you know losing strength but um at the same time i do think that people in general tend to be pretty uh not the best at estimating their caloric intake especially if you are not familiar with proper portion sizes. So I think that uh, counting macros, at least for some time, is a valuable uh, practice for everyone to go through at least once in their lives. But yeah, we, I, I pick it up and pick it up and put it down, uh, so to speak, at different times of the year. Um, right now I'm preparing for a, my next bikini show, so I am counting macros, but probably after the show I'll probably, you know, go back to uh, quote-unquote intuitive eating for a while, and I'll just go back and forth. I'll toggle back and forth for the rest of my life is, is the plan right now.
0: And I you know, I think that's completely reasonable and uh, and makes sense. And you know, I probably track a little bit more I don't want to say strictly than most people, but you know, I I don't know how you are, Sohi, but I, I never kind of like stop eating mindfully. You know, what Oh I mean? yeah, right. Portion sizes
1: don't really change much.
0: Yeah. Right. Food choices I'm always, are the same. I'm always like thinking about like okay, I think I had about this much. Now I may not know for sure, but it's still better than not knowing and not having any kind of restraint.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, the really the there's not much that's different in terms of uh, when I'm intuitive eating versus counting my macros and weighing my. The only thing that's different is that I'm not weighing my food, but the portion sizes and the food choices, etc., all that's the same. It's just that maybe it's subtle mindset which maybe you know I know there are a lot of people like when you're saying some of your clients it uh, can be really they find it really mentally taxing to to count macros year round and I can understand that and you know it's nice to have that mental break sometimes and I totally get it
0: yeah for sure it's all about it's all about making it a lifestyle that's maintainable but also understanding you have to balance that with your goals
1: right oh and I will say <laughs> and I will say that uh Yes, there's a time and place for kind of macros. If you are preparing for a show, especially if it's like a national show or you're really trying to come in and dial in your physique, I, I don't think Lane would recommend this either. I absolutely do not recommend intuitively eating your way into your show. No. Um, I think, you know, Lane, Lane and I know uh, at least one person who's tried to do this before. And uh, I, I, it's... it's Bringing in, getting, you know, going from lean to very, very lean is such a, um, you really have to get down into the nitty gritty, you know, minor caloric changes, macro changes really make a difference. So I think the more specific you can get at that point, the better the results, the result that you'll get.
0: Well, here's the thing is you're trying to overcome homeostasis to get there. Right. You're you're trying to, your body is actually pushing back against you at this point. So whatever is intuitive, the, the intuitiveness of it, is for your body to try to push you to eat more. And rightly so, I mean, at that level, um, you're going well past your body fat set point, that makes sense. And so you're going to have to go against against your intuition in order to be lean enough. So yeah, I mean, I think intuitive eating can be a useful tool for people who are, are right, like eat very lifestyle. mindfully and, and, right. and want to maintain, but to get yeah. to that level, I think that
1: it has limited application. Absolutely. All right. right. So yeah. Next question. <clears throat> um, I like this one because I deal with it a lot uh, with uh, clients. Best way to control late night binges. I have been struggling with cereal, multiple boxes at night. That's a lot of cereal. I according to my macros all day and then destroy all progress. It's funny. I think um, I I know last year I filmed a two part YouTube video series talking about how to overcome binge eating, and I believe Lane has either talked about or shared um, videos and articles from either himself or Dr. Corey uh, related to binge eating. But um, if it you know if it's emotional eating, I think that's a different kind of different beast altogether. But I think if the binge eating is related to your uh, diet specifically. <clears throat> then uh, normally, it's the case that um, you e- are either uh, consuming too few calories, so your target calories are too low, or, and, or. You are trying to be too uh, quote unquote good with your food choices during the day Um, because we all know that willpower uh, is highest, you know, in the morning it's high, at night it's when it's the lowest, which is a big part of why a lot of people when they are on diet, they tend to cave at night in the evenings when their willpower is low and they don't have as much self-control to hold themselves back. Um, so if this were the case, and uh, one of my uh, go-to strategies, if when this happens with a client or anyone, is to just bump up their overall caloric intake um, maybe by three to five hundred calories depending on the individual. And sometimes that can be enough to just satiate cravings. Um, And sometimes I might say, listen, you're trying to you're just eating broccoli and and dry chicken breast during the day. Maybe try to incorporate some foods that you actually really do enjoy during the daytime so that you're not feeling deprived in the evening. And um, um, not only is the late night binging a problem, but uh, I see this a lot. And I also see, well, you know, my calories are uh, really low, you know, really low on the uh, body weight multiplier maybe they're at like 10 times body weight calories and they're saying well I want to have fast progress so I set my calories really low but I can only stick to it for five or six days and then every every week or so I binge. And then so I blow my I blow my calories out of the water. In that case, I'll say, right, so if I were to say instead of 1200 calories a day for you, what if I said I gave you 1500 or 1600 calories every day and you might freak out because it's, it seems like so much food but if you can just be consistent with these numbers every day, I guarantee you your average caloric intake will still be lower than when you're binging every week. And sometimes that's all you need. That's all you need to do is just give them more food and be a little more lenient with food choices.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree with that. And I I think that, you know, we always have to keep in mind um, what our hierarchy of importance is. And and the number one thing is consistency, you know. And so anything that's sabotaging that, we have to, we have to, we have to, we have to, anything that's sabotaging that, we have to get rid of. Right. So, if our calories are so low that maybe, maybe theoretically we could make faster progress, but it causes you to binge. Right. You're you're from a pragmatic standpoint, you are not making faster progress. <laughs> you're making slower progress, right. and so you'd be better off doing something that's more maintainable. Yeah. As far as strategies go, it's you know binge eating. If we're talking about most people, this is bought on by stress, in in from what I've seen. And so I always tell people you need to. To treat the cause of whatever is causing you to binge okay very rarely is it a hunger thing sometimes it is but if it usually if it was just a hunger thing once you felt full you would stop right so binging is where you eat past the point of fullness past the point of your 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 homeostatic level so I think first off if it's something that it's occurring repeatedly to possibly consider seeing a counselor. Uh, I think that that's a really important thing because yes. I am not an eating disorder specialist. It's, it's an interest of mine. I've, you know, I, I examine the research on it, but um, I, I think talking to a counselor is probably the most important thing. Um, the, now some strategies I've used are, for example, a lot of people who I find this happens to, they train early, a lot of times they'll train early in the morning. And they'll consume a large portion of their calories in the morning. And By the time they get later, um, they they can't have a whole lot at night because they've mm-hmm. consumed a lo- larger portion in the morning, and uh, and so they get a little, b- little bit bored at night, that sort of thing. And uh, they just end up they just end up wanting to eat. They find themselves uh, in the kitchen. So I'll say, well, try moving your workouts later at night and giving yourself a little more calories at night. For for whatever reason, I actually work really well with working out later at night and consuming more of my calories later at night for whatever reason I just have more of a compulsion to eat later in the day um, in in the morning you know I'm hungry for breakfast and then once I've had breakfast I'm pretty much good so uh, I kind of set up my day like that now not everybody's the same but that's one strategy I've used.
1: Right. Which uh, So, yeah, I want to emphasize, just because Lane's doing it doesn't mean that you should do it necessarily. That's
0: <laughs> exactly Everyone's right. going to be
1: like, oh, Lane.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lane, you do car backloading. Right. <laughs> I guess, in effect, I do, but not because I think it has some kind of magic, mystical effect, you know? <laughs> um, the, the other thing is, I'll tell people, is like, we got to always keep mindfulness. So, I think just identifying the behavior when it starts to occur. Most people know when they're about to have a binge coming on. Um, oh, yeah. oh, and yeah. typically they what happens is you binge because you'll stay in that kind of unmindful, zombieish mode. Um, and I'll tell people like when you feel it coming on, like say out loud to yourself, say it out loud. I'm about to binge. Why? Why am I doing this? am I am I actually hungry? And if I'm hungry, Okay, if I feel I have to eat, let me just eat till I'm till I feel better. Okay. And 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 but I found that most people when they actually identify it, it stops the behavior. Like when they actually make themselves get mindful, it stops it. And so, you know, what you can do is you can always take like like if you find yourself in the cereal, take a post-it, put it on the cabinet, and it doesn't have to say anything. Just put that post-it on the cabinet. Because you'll you'll have to see it before you open the cabinet, and you'll say, "Why did I put that there?" Oh, I put that. Oh yeah. So I've I've done that with people, or just like for example, um, put it put a child. This sounds weird, and it sounds kind of may. Some people may claim that this sounds disordered, but again, it's kind of breaking the unmindfulness cycle. So instead of so what I would try putting child locks on your. On your <laughs> So – but the reason being yeah. not because they're actually going to keep you out. I mean obviously you can get that off pretty easy. But you're going to have to break – you're going to have to open that chalk.
1: Right. Very intentional. And,
0: right. Exactly. It has to be a very intentional thing and you're going to go, man, I actually had to open that. You know what I mean? Like it's just one more step. It's not like you can just rip open the cabinet and start eating. So those are some things I, I that I've used. Again, if this is something that, that keeps coming up, I, I would see a counselor because right. I think that's yeah. the most important thing. Absolutely. But, um, you know, if try some of these tips, um, see if it helps, and, you know, um, maybe it will. Uh, for a few clients, it definitely has worked. Um, but if it doesn't, you know, please see a counselor.
1: Right. And the last thing I want to say about binge eating uh, in terms of mindset, because we all know I love mindset so much, is that um, if you... First of all, binge eating is I guess I would call it it's a it's a kind of it's a habit. It's a it's you know, it's a bad habit. And um you know, the longer you've been doing it the harder it is to move away from it. But at the same time, the if you believe that you are powerless to the binges and when the urges to binge come on and you feel like you you are completely helpless to do anything about it and you are you know, you're not in charge of your own behavior and then the food takes over you and the food is controlling you, I think that's a really um Powerful mindset tool you need to flip that around and realize that actually you are 100% in charge of your behaviors And just because you feel the urge to binge coming on does not mean that you have to act on it and exactly. um, Actually really quick story from when I was younger you know uh, Many of you know that I struggled with anorexia and and bulimia back in uh, 2004 2005 and then you know bully- binge eating for a number of years after that, but I remember in 2007 um, I actually went to boarding school near Santa Barbara uh, in, in Southern California, but every you know spring break, summer, winter break, I'd go home to um, I'd stay with my aunt and, and grandma's house in in uh, in Cerritos, which is a suburb of LA. And every time I remember, every time I'd go there, I'd be I'd stay up late at night. I'd go to the kitchen, and in my mind, I honestly fully believed that whenever I am in that kitchen, in the Cerritos kitchen, I will binge eat. I I believed <laughs> it, and And I believed it. So every time I went there, that's exactly what happened every single night. And it wasn't until later I I questioned myself and I said, why do I believe this? Why do I feel like this kitchen has some, you know, some magical, this location has some magical power over me? And it was really just um, association. You know, I binged there once. Therefore, I made that false, you know, causal relationship. Thinking, oh, I'm here. Therefore, being in the kitchen caused this binge eating behavior. And I believed that. But once I started questioning it, that's when I really started to finally move away from that. So um, I encourage you guys to question your beliefs Um, when you feel the urge to binge. I think um, especially with the type A people among us, we, we feel like we have to do something about it right away. Um, I encourage you to sit with the feeling of discomfort and not do anything. You don't have to do anything, you know? You, can, you don't have to binge it. You. You, can, you can actually, or you can just repla- replace it with a different behavior. Whenever I feel an urge to binge, I'm I pick up the phone and call my girlfriend or something. You know, find distraction techniques. But uh, uh, really, if you believe that you are helpless, that's uh, not true.
0: Yeah, that's, that's great advice. Uh, I think we're going to take a quick break. And uh, we'll come back with more of your questions. You're listening to Physique Science Radio. Hey, guys. Lane here. Well, you all know how much I love variety in my diet. I can't stand eating the same bland food every single day. That's why I love www.myoatmeal.com. It's an amazing website where you can go and customize oatmeal. I know, I know, I know. Why would I want to go customize oatmeal? I could eat it right out of the bag. Well, let me tell you why. MyOatmeal.com has 22 billion combinations of flavors and ingredients. You heard me right, 22 billion combinations. Whether you're picking out a pre-made blend or making your own customized blend, They have all kinds of flavors. Want red velvet cake? No problem. Snickerdoodle? You can make it happen. Butter rum? Oh yeah. Cheesecake? You can get it done. And you have all kinds of additives you can add. Apples, raisins, pears, nuts, all kinds of seeds. And you can sweeten it any way you want. Need to eat gluten-free? No problem. They've got it. The best part of it all? The macros are listed as you're customizing your blend and they change depending on which ingredients you add. Eating a little bit lower carb? No problem. Choose ingredients that make your carb count lower. Need more protein? Add higher protein ingredients. You can customize your blend to make it almost any breakdown that you want and the prices and macros change as you change your blend. So go on over to www.myoatmeal.com And check out some of the blends that have already been made, or be adventurous and make your own. That's myoatmeal.com. Check it out, guys. Hey, guys. Many of you out there know I spend a lot of time bagging on bad coaches. And certainly, there's more than enough of those to go around. But a lot of times, people ask me who I do recommend. Well, one person we can recommend wholeheartedly is Paul Ravella of Pro Physique. Paul has received more referrals from me over the last two years than any other coach, and with good reason. Paul is competent, professional, caring, and carries himself with a lot of integrity. If you hire Paul, you're going to be getting the very best at a great value. Paul is also one of my closest personal friends, and I can say with absolute certainty i feel 100% comfortable with referring my closest friends and family to him, because I've done that. Paul Ravella of ProPhysique.com. Check him out, guys. Hey guys, you know me, and you know I love cooking up macro-friendly option meals. But sometimes when I'm always on the go, that's just not an option. So when I'm on the go or can't cook a meal, I love Quest bars. You know, I love protein and fiber, and these are packed with 20 grams of high quality protein and super high in fiber. And it's easy to stay on target when you've got Quest bars that you can bring with you anywhere. They're delicious compared to other bars that taste like bricks and leave you feeling gassy and bloated. So pick up a bar of Quest bars today at QuestNutrition.com, GNC, and Vitamin Shop. Also, follow them on Instagram at questnutrition and youtube.com slash questnutrition for great recipe ideas to keep you on your goals but eating delicious welcome back to physique science radio we're doing q a and uh, the next question uh that i'm going to take is when should one consider themselves ready to enter a powerlifting meet i'd love to have meat to train for but don't want to embarrass myself uh, listen, you should do it whenever you feel comfortable with it, but you're not going to embarrass yourself. Uh-huh. Um, there are, everybody does probably, I mean, you'll, you'll be at a meet and there could be like, I did a, I did a meet a while back and Mike to just showed up there and Mike's pulling 840 three pounds, you know, Ooh. and we had people there that were pulling 200 pounds as well. Nobody's going to look down on you. Nobody's going to laugh at you, anything like that. You're not going to embarrass yourself. The only way you can embarrass yourself is like not knowing the commands or not having prepared or, you know, those sorts of things and, and looking silly because you didn't know the command. So know the commands, that sort of thing. But, you know, weight wise, you're not going to embarrass yourself. No, no, So no. now I would say, you know, if you just started, you know, focusing on powerlifting, give yourself a good six, nine months of training, you know, and, and then, Pick out a meet, something that's that's close. Don't don't feel like you. I get this all the time. People are like because there's so many powerlifting federations. If you want to set a, a record, you can find a place to set it for your age group and your <laughs> weight class and you know whatever it is. So I think that really um, just finding a meet that's close to you, finding a meet that's close to you that's convenient to do, that's the most important thing. Um, if you try to travel real far, I think that it it can be um, I think it can be a problem. So I think are our dogs barking at each yeah, other. Yeah, I think.
1: Oh my goodness! <laughs> Ollie's <laughs> barking at Suffy. <laughs> <Stephie>, I think. <laughs> yeah,
0: that that would be her. Yeah. That's so funny. Our dogs uh, feel the need to make an appearance on the on the radio show. <laughs> um, so, anyways. Yeah, just pick one and do it, and and make sure it's close and fun, and just focus on the commands and realize that for your first meet, everything's going to be a PR. Everything's a PR. Yeah. So just come out, have fun, set your total, and look to build upon that.
1: Right, and I, um, it's it's funny. I think the in-person powerlifting community is very different from the online community, and uh, I th- I want to I want to say that a lot of people uh think that the online community is going to be you know the in-person community is going to be just as um bullying and 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 negative but uh, you know i have not yet i have yet to see anyone you know snicker at someone else or laugh at anyone for for lifting you know smaller you know lighter weights at at a powerlifting meet if anything they're incredibly supportive um people love to see you succeed and hit a pr and they want you to get white lights they want you to pat you know they don't they don't want you to get disqualified you know they don't want you to get red lights so uh, i i think if, if anything it's it's super super fine and uh if you're if you've been considering a powerlifting meet for a while i say uh, go attend one for a weekend you know on a saturday find one that's close to you go as a spectator go and see the Wild like.
0: West showdown in las vegas Nevada. Oh yeah November that's one 7th.
1: that one's coming up <laughs> <laughs> it's a great excuse to go go to vegas
0: exactly so i know i said don't travel for it but you should travel
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it's a lot of fun you'll meet a lot of great people probably make some uh good friends but there there's nothing to be embarrassed about um honestly like even with singlets the last powerlifting meet i was at this lady was wearing a gorilla singlet you know she was like in a gorilla outfit and i thought it was awesome
0: did you see so, Lauren's singlet for her meet? I mean, my I, Oh,
1: yeah, I did. I texted uh, her. I said, where did you get your singlet? I have to get. <laughs> I'm getting mine from the same place.
0: That's so her, right? Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, yeah, we get we get a disproportionate view. I mean, I, I will say that, you know, I love bodybuilding and powerlifting, but I will say that overall, the powerlifting community is much more supportive than the bodybuilding community. I mean, the, the it's just you'll have – You know, if you look at, hell, look at my video from the Arnold and Ellis McLean is rooting me on for my last deadlift to beat him, you know, (laughs) so it's, you know, it's just, I'm not saying it's always like that, but for the most part, um, people in powerlifting are just very, very supportive and everybody, people are so concerned with wanting to just, you know, hit their own PRs that less emphasis is placed on, I got to beat this guy, you know, I mean, at high levels, of course, you want to win. But, um, you know, for most meets, it's mostly like people getting together. It's, it feels like friends getting together to hit PRs. I mean, yeah. that's pretty much what it is. So, uh, yeah, I think that just really picking one, having fun, and. And as you said, realizing that the online community is way different, mm-hmm. and most of those people who who talk trash online don't actually compete. Right? They don't actually show right. up. To this is this is indicative of everybody. Okay. <laughs> I I you know just I'll, I did a video on trolls recently, but all these people who trash talk, uh, you know, I think about how much hate I've received over the course of my career. Not one person, ever, ever has walked up to me and been like, "Hey Lane, you suck." You know, like Of
1: course, it, they're avoiding you. They're like, "I saw you at this event and I didn't say hi to you. I was really far away, but
0: <laughs> Yeah. Or I'm sure plenty of them like, hey, I'm a big fan. Can uh, I get a picture?" Yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm sure that happens too. So, no, just understand that that people just tend to be idiots online and that in person, it, it's going to be a really fun experience.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I'll take the next one. Uh, I think this is a, I like this question. Thoughts on free meals while reverse dieting uh, slash dieting? <clears throat> I think that uh, there's, uh, I know Lane has probably a different answer than, than I do. But I think when, when it comes to free meals, I know last year I wrote an article about why I don't do cheat meals anymore. And I got a lot of, um, it, there was a lot of controversy surrounding it. But really, my my beef with with and I still don't do cheat meals if you ask me now. And my beef with cheat meals is honestly the labeling. Um, and you might say it's just it's just semantics, but no, no. <laughs> it's hardly when I, when you say it's just semantics, it's hardly ever just semantics. The words that you use matter. The words, the specific words you use to describe different concepts and terms, they have um, specific connotations. And when you hear the word cheat, that makes you think th- certain things. So. Um, you know, it's. I think it's really hard to think cheat meal and not feel guilty, because cheating is bad, right? <laughs> that's what we've been taught. Cheating is yeah. not good. You don't want to be doing that. Um, but when I, I, think when when you're in the off season, I, I I do see I with some people I can see a benefit of having maybe a weekly meal that's uh you know mindful yet not tracked. I don't see that being harmful as long as you go into it, knowing that it's not a free-for-all, it's not licensed to binge, uh, the calories still matter, and if you still take those extra calories. For example, I have two clients right now, and I say, "Um, all right, uh, I know that you are in your off-season right now, and you're not necessarily uh, on a strict contest prep diet. You want to still enjoy your life, and you want to be able to go out to dinner once a week and not have to worry about what the macros are in that meal. So let's just say we're going to give you up to – you know, let's say a thousand calories of discretionary calories. They can come from fats. They can come from carbs. They can come from whatever you want. I don't want you to stress about it. The point is to enjoy the meal. Um, it can be 800 calories. It can be 1200 calories just in that ballpark area. I have that once, a, once a night or not once a night. Oh my God, that'd be way too much, but once a week and then next day, get right back on track and enjoy your life, move on. And I want you to, um, enjoy your life and I want you to see that your diet is something that you can, uh, sustain over the long haul. So I think, um, for some people that can be very helpful for other people, maybe not, maybe they, they need more specific guidelines, but, um, I think that there is a time and in place for, for free meals or whatever. Uh, I like to call them mindful non-tracked meals, but I, I, am not inherently opposed to them. What about you Lane?
0: So yeah, it just depends on context, right? So for example, um, if somebody comes to me and they say, Hey, I know I might gain some body fat or whatever, but I really just don't want to track this meal. Okay not my job to say that, you know, what what you should value and what you shouldn't. Um, but, you know, do I think that it's good to have free meals if you're really looking to minimize fat gain? No, I don't. And mm-hmm. here's the thing. When you do flexible dieting, right, there's no such thing as a cheat. Okay? You just even right, – yeah. do you have to take your scale and weigh it out mm-hmm. and then go – no, you're Please not doing don't. that. It's just like I talked about In the previous one, you just go out, you take a look at it, you say, I think this is probably about that, and you do your best, and you guesstimate. And that's a completely – because it's going to make you eat mindfully. That's completely reasonable. There's nothing wrong with that, period. Okay. Now, obviously, the – again, the more strict your goals are, the more strict you must be. And so Mm -hmm. you can't get something for nothing. Okay, So – if you want to have an untracked meal and you don't want to be mindful about it, you want to eat whatever you want, <clears throat> then okay, but you have to understand what's going to come along with that, okay? I think everybody's looking for this magic solution of, oh, well, if you diet this way five days and then you can cheat this day however you want. No, you can never stop being mindful. If you do, it's going to be bad, okay? Um, and like you said, the words you use matter. When you All call right. it a cheat meal, um, there's a certain amount of guilt implied with that. And further, I always love what you say. If your diet is so great, why do you feel the need to cheat on it? Right. I actually saw something that is a little off topic, but you'll, you'll appreciate it. There is a guru out there who always proclaims the the importance of eating clean, okay, and how important it is to remove toxins and such and such nonsense. And they had a, a tip in flex magazine and it said you should have your cheat meal the night before you work a body part. That's really challenging. Do they not see this hypocrisy (laughs) because they're acknowledging now that calories matter. Okay. Because they are saying you're going to have more energy from these calories, but yet they say that, you know, it's so important to eat clean for the toxins and all this kind of garbage. Um, so why would you want those toxins when you're going to go have your most tough workout? Why would you so what you're basically acknowledging is you either one don't know what you're talking about, which I think is probably the most likely outcome, two you're a complete hypocrite, or three you're acknowledging that calories do matter. That hey, when you eat food, you feel good, you know? <laughs> uh, my friend Dr. Jeremy Linicky said it best. Somebody was explaining to him how how great, you know, uh, clean eating is and you know all this stuff he's like oh yes well then explain to me how if I eat salad all the time I feel terrible but if I eat pancakes I feel amazing <laughs> <laughs> calories matter
1: absolutely
0: okay so I'll I'll take the next one I I apologize for going off on that diatribe
1: we're good <laughs> at tangents
0: oh my goodness aren't we <laughs> um, so I, I like this one um, uh, whole foods especially dairy with full fat versus low fat and fat free products. It seems that most that advocate tracking macros and eating for aesthetics recommend low fat or fat free products. I've seen research reviews where people who eat whole foods like eggs, cheese, milk tend to be leaner. Can whole foods be part of a healthy diet? You mean whole fat foods. Um, So you always have to be careful with correlation research. Uh, People who do eat dairy and cheese and milk do tend to be leaner and that sort of thing. That, that does not mean that the fat yeah. is making them leaner. Okay, the reason that people who follow IIFYM or or or, or macros or what or flexible dining tend to choose lower fat options quite simply because it's easier to fit. Okay, you have more cushion that way. You can I I, I, I post a picture of my breakfast the other day, and it was it was five slices of bacon, and uh and, and egg whites. Okay, or, or, or egg beaters, uh, scrambled egg beaters with fat-free cheese and people are going, why didn't you have the whole egg, it has all these things in it and I'm like, I, I know, I understand. I don't have anything against whole fat, whole fat eggs. I think those are fine but I want to eat bacon, okay and I can't make that bacon fit my macros if I have whole fat eggs, right. full fat cheese and bacon. Okay that's going to be like 35 grams of fat right there. Okay. So, but I can make it fit if I have 15 grams of fat from bacon, no fat from eggs and no fat from cheese. So if you, for example, wanted to have that, wanted to have something like that for breakfast, you could say, okay, well I'm going to have a couple uh, whole fat eggs and then a couple egg whites and then some low fat cheese instead of fat free. Like, you know, you can do it that way. So it's, Macros is literally a budget. Okay, if I have, if I make fifty thousand dollars a year, is it intelligent for me to go out and buy a fifty thousand dollar car? If that means I can't pay my mortgage, I can't put money in my kids' college fund, I can't put money in my retirement. Of course not. It is not intelligent. Now, there's people do it anyway, but uh, is it okay? Now, if I make a million dollars a year. Is it okay for me to go out and buy that $50,000 car if I put money in my retirement and I pay my mortgage and I put money towards my kid's college fund? I do all I – t- I check all the boxes that I need to check. Yeah, it's fine, right? Like intuitively, we understand that. It's the same thing with macronutrients. If you're eating – if somebody's eating – if their fat grams are 50 grams a day, do they want to spend 35 grams of that right at breakfast because they had a bunch of whole eggs and, and, and full fat cheese? No, I don't think so. Um, so they make choices, okay? And I, if somebody says, hey, I, I really like whole fat eggs. Fine, good. Go for it. You know what I mean? Uh, or let's say they like avocado and they want avocado instead. Well, they're going to have to reduce that fat somewhere else. It's a give and take. It is quite simple, okay? And I think this is completely lost on some people. There are not magic foods. You have to get this idea out of your head that there are magic foods. There are not, okay? There are no magic foods. Stop it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> um when, when it comes to food choices i like to talk a lot about checks and balances it's like you know budget is a great uh analogy for that and uh, i think one thing to keep in mind especially on platforms like instagram where you see uh you know popular fitness people posting their the food that they eat every day um one thing to keep in mind with that is that you know let's say you know you you know, and i you and know, i Lane Noah. Know, know a girl who well katie ann sorry if i call you out katie ann <laughs> you know <laughs> i'm just gonna say her name you know she's really big on her whole eggs uh she loves ezekiel bread and she loves uh i believe it's i think it's fat-free cheese i want to say and and um and and low fat or fat-free uh cream cheese also and but i i think it's important to recognize that just because she's eating fat-free cream cheese does not mean that you have to eat fat-free cream cheese. And that's the choice that she's making for herself. And she's doing the exact thing that Lane just talked about. She's, you know, she's eating egg yolks in favor of full fat cream cheese. And, you know, she's making trade-offs. Same thing for me. I like Uh, full fat cheese. So I'm not going to buy the low fat, fat fat-free kind. I like um, reduced fat milk. I think whole milk is a little bit too thick for me from a taste perspective. I like reduced fat milk. I'm not going to buy skim milk because I don't like the way it tastes, but some people may prefer that. Some people may say, well, I like the taste better and I get more macros for other things. Um, uh, So it really comes down to personal preference. And um, if you don't mind the taste of low-fat cheese and fat-free trees, then go ahead and enjoy that. But I personally don't, so I don't make that trade-off. Um, so just remember that uh, don't be sucked into, oh, she's eating this, so I have to eat that too.
0: Absolutely. On that's, uh, that's, yeah, you, you nailed it. I don't need to say anything else. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's take a break, and uh, we'll come back. And I think we'll, we'll end up this segment because we never get through a bunch of questions. I think we should do a rapid fire segment where we just kind of wrap up real quick. I think people will like that. Okay. So, <laughs> we'll come back with rapid fire answers to your questions. You're listening to Physique Science Radio. Hey guys, one of the things that's always on my mind is how can I give back to the industry that has done so much for me? That's why we formed the BioLane Foundation. The BioLane Foundation is a philanthropic initiative to raise money for grad school level research that is going to contribute to the fitness industry. And 100% of all your donations will be paid out to students. If you'd like to donate, you can go to BioLane.com, click on the About tab, and click on BioLane Foundation, and you can put your donation in through there. Or, if you're a student and you'd like to apply for a grad to Go to BioLane.com, click the About tab, BioLane Foundation, and you can find the applications online there. Thank you guys so much, and I'm looking forward to all the great research that comes from these donations. You're listening to Physique Science Radio with Lane Norton and Sohi Lee. If you like what you hear and you'd like to learn more about us, read some of our articles, please visit my website at www.biolane.com and Sohi's website at SohiFit.com. Thanks, guys. We appreciate you listening and hope to hear more from you in the future.
1: Hey guys, welcome back. As promised, we're gonna wrap up this episode with a rapid-fire Q&A. Um, not sure how successful it'll be because we both like to talk, Lane a little bit more than myself, but we're gonna...
0: <laughs> what do <are> you say?
1: <laughs> Just a little bit, but we're gonna do our best. So um, we've been collecting questions from Instagram, uh, Twitter, and Facebook. And we've been compiling it into one document, so we're just going to read off some of our favorite ones. So for me, I just came back from Italy last week where I ate gelato every night, and it was amazing. And someone asked me, what is your favorite gelato flavor? And honestly, I don't discriminate. Uh, I like... Well, okay, I like, honestly, when it comes to desserts, I have um, really... I, I don't like the fruity tart flavors at all. I think I have more of the the fattier, <laughs> the higher fat. Um, you know, I, I, I'm very um, much in love with the chocolatey vanilla um, the chunks. Give me all the chunks in there, the the s'mores and everything. I really like just the basic um, hazelnut and milk and cream and vanilla flavor. That was I like simple stuff. That was my favorite gelato. Do you like gelato, Lane?
0: Uh, I usually just eat my, at my place delights, you know the low calorie oh, ice Oh, I, ha- uh, I still haven't tried that. And uh, for me, chocolate or peanut butter—yeah, well, something Ooh, peanut in the line good. of those flavors. Any, yeah, any iteration of those flavors is good for me. Good, good. All right, okay. Top five supplements I would recommend. Uh, we don't usually answer supplement questions, so I feel like I, I'll hit one. Uh, so first one is a whey protein powder, mm-hmm. just because it's it's a convenient way to get protein in. There's no need to take this, you don't need to take it at any time but it's the highest quality protein you can get and, uh, and so that's what I recommend. Um, then I would say branched amino acids, um, taking you know four, four or five grams between meals. Uh, then it would be creatine monohydrate, uh, three to five grams a day. Then it would be citrulline, citrulline malate, six grams pre-workout. Then it'd be betaine, two and a half grams pre-workout. And how many am I through? Is that four? Uh, I think that's four. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's four. <laughs> and then actually, people can argue with me about that. Uh, but uh, I actually really like um, what are called uh, nootropics, which are cognitive enhancers because I, I don't like to take a bunch of stimulants like right before I go in and work out. So I love things like huperzine A or Rodalia um, Alpha GPC So things that like Improve cognitive function So you feel nice and focused um, Cool uh, Yeah, yeah It's kind of different You know So you feel nice and focused Before you go train And But without like Getting real jittery And something that you can take every day And not feel like You know You're 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 going to get Because stimulants You're, you're going to get Adjusted to them And now you're going to need it even more So these are things That you can take every day And kind of not get that uh, Constant stim effect
1: yeah, and uh, the other thing I'll say about supplements, real quick, is that uh, supplements are supplementary. They're not. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, you totally. know, I think if if your nutrition, basic nutrition habits are not. Uh, have not been established then I think you should save your money on supplements for the time being and work on nailing down what we like to call the big rocks of nutrition you know focus on are you getting enough vegetables are you getting enough protein are you um you know are you drinking enough water if you're not doing all those things then you don't I, I think supplements are relatively speaking they're a smaller rock uh, focus so uh i think a lot of people think that if they just spend a bunch of money on supplements then they'll get a rockin' body and uh yeah, no, but yeah not. but if your if your diet is not you know you need to get your diet in line first first and foremost and then you can supplements is kind of like the the you know the pinnacle top small smaller uh what do you call it? Rapid fire, Sohi. Okay, we're wrapping it up. <laughs> um, you know, you have a, sm- a slightly smaller return for that if your diet's not in, not in, in line first. I agree.
0: And, uh, you know, I always tell people this is the this is the tip of the pyramid. Um, this is the lot, very last things. Right. You're, you're not – so I'll just wrap it up this way. People always ask, do I need – what supplements do I need? You don't need anything by definition. There are some that are helpful and that's why we just listed those.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I'll take the next one. Is there a max length of time you will keep a client in a caloric deficit? Um Is it sometimes necessary to stop a cut and reverse diet before a goal body fat loss is achieved? Yes, I think yes. They're, um, the length of time really depends on the person. But for me, I look for a number of red flags. Uh, where are they now versus where they want to be? How low is their caloric intake relative to the body weight? Are they um, compliant? Are they starting to to binge eat? Do they find themselves obsessing over their diet more and more if that's the case? And if they're not enjoying their diet, if their quality of life is dropping, if they're um, suffering a lot but with for little to no return – you know, if we are not really seeing any progress, then I will say, OK, let's put, hit the hit the brakes on fat loss for a number of months. Um, let's pull you out of a caloric deficit. We don't have to have you bulking or anything. We don't have to have you getting chubby or getting a bunch of body fat by any means. But uh, I think, you know, we need to um, just pull you out of a deficit for for a respectable length of time, get your quality of life back in track, get your mindset right again before we delve back into dieting. That's what I would say.
0: Agreed. Nothing to add.
1: <laughs> okay,
0: so is it possible that fat distribution changes after finishing every cutting cycle? Yes, and there's scientific research to support this, that you actually regain fat, uh, or you regain lean body mass slower in your trunk muscle than you do in your extremities. So there actually can be a shift, a shifting of of fat mass, uh, it seems a little bit more central Uh, Every time you you do a cut, if you you reverse out of that improperly or don't reverse at all. So yes, it can change distribution.
1: Cool. Uh, Nothing to add on my part. So I'll take the next one. Uh, For someone who wants to start in the fitness industry as a trainer slash coach, what steps would you recommend, especially for someone who didn't go to college and major in anything fitness related? First of all, I think um, it's important to note that you can absolutely make a big impact in the fitness industry without a... Um, college degree. I know uh, I can name two or three people who who are who have been very successful in the industry and did not finish college. Or even if you did go to college but didn't major in, um, you know, like human biology or biology or kinesiology or whatnot, you can still. I I think I want to say almost a lot of people don't major in in fitness related related um, majors and they do just fine. I think for even for me, a lot of my Um, Learning came on my own time and not within the academic setting. Although I will say, you know, as far as research and whatnot, you know, going the PhD route like Lane did and going the research route and getting more involved hands on instead of reading research, actually being involved in the research. I think that's a huge um, difference. and. Uh, in the academic field, and that's something I would like to get into eventually in the years to come. But, uh, you know, you can just – I think the the biggest thing that gets in the way of people's success is believing that they don't have the qualifications to make an impact just yet, and they they feel like they need more certifications and more courses and more, um, you know, online classes they need to take. You don't need all the – sometimes you just have to start and just get it going.
0: I will agree with that, with the caveat that you that you – you need to acquire knowledge. Um, oh, absolutely, we have, yeah. <laughs> Because people will take what he just said and you get the Instagram effect. Somebody gets abs and now they're a coach.
1: Or and they like compete at one show, they're like, guys, email me for a training and nutrition program.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, it, like, yes, wait, what? <laughs> regurgitate the same garbage over and over. Um, I, I think that if you really want to be taken seriously, and this is my opinion, and maybe I'm an elitist because I did go to school, I think you need to look at going back to school at some point, um, and because really, yes, you can. You can. Uh, you, you could do it without going back to school, but most people are not intrinsically motivated enough to sit down and read a full physiology textbook <laughs> and and test themselves. I'm I'm dead serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't understand basic physiology, you cannot understand nutrition and training. You can't. You just. You cannot. Um, It's going to be like, I always tell people, um, a great artist can look at a building that an architect drew up and recreate that building, but that's all they can do. If you ask them to build it from scratch, they will have no idea. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's what we have out there right now are people who don't have that knowledge base. You know, an architect has to take advanced mathematics and engineering and, you know, linear algebra and all these different things. And that helps them have that base to be able to formulate from scratch. Okay. If you don't have the base of physiology and biochemistry, you cannot formulate from scratch. You'll just be regurgitating other people's ideas. And one more thing, that's, that's a problem with this whole, I love evidence based stuff, but we have hashtag evidence based fitness from people who have never actually done research and have never actually taken physiology and who read an abstract on PubMed, and if they can't find a PubMed citation for it, uh, they believe it didn't happen, go take a basic physiology course. It will help you.
1: Lane feels a little bit strongly about this.
0: I I feel strongly (laughs) about people who have never done any research themselves who feel uh, entitled to be able to criticize research as if they are on the level of a peer-reviewed journal. That annoys me.
1: <laughs> that happens sometimes. It happens. I'm just kidding. It happens a lot. <laughs> I, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Next All right, question. So you So next take it? one
0: is uh, okay. I like this one. What did you do to keep your life balanced when you got married or when my kid was born? Is there any wisdom you can share to help others who have not, might not have kids but might one day? So balance gets thrown around a lot. I use the word balance and there is no quanti- there is no objective determination of balance. It's all about what you feel. And I'm going to tell you that balance – so I, I, def- I, I talked about it at the last seminar I gave. I said balance is kind of like a bubble. Like if you always try to – like let's say if you stay in the middle of a bubble and don't touch the edges, you're balanced. But guess what? You're always kind of bouncing around and you're – you're gonna find sometimes where you feel really balanced and then you're gonna to touch an edge and you're gonna to have to move back. Okay. Hmm. And and sometimes in life, you're gonna be unbalanced. When I did my PhD, my life was not balanced. <laughs> okay? Like, I didn't do extra stuff. I didn't go out with my friends that much. Like I did what I could, but it was rare. All right. When I was getting ready for Worlds, for USA for the IPF Worlds, I was not balanced. I was training three, four hours a day. Like it was not balanced, okay? But it's short periods of time and you have to ask yourself, during during the, my overall life, do I feel like anything is suffering? You know, mm-hmm. and you always, uh, Brian Whitaker had a great talk at our camp. He talked about how family is first, friends second, job third, bodybuilding is fourth. And that as long as those first three boxes are checked, he's going to be as hardcore as he can with bodybuilding. But noth- that does not, bodybuilding never trumps the other three. And that's I think that's a good kind of way to look yeah,
1: at, yeah, I like that, and I think with balance, I think that you know, like Lane said, balance is gonna look different for every um individual and every family for me when I got married, I think um it wasn't it wasn't a difficult transition because uh we already kind of had had a rhythm established he um you know Evan is in the army here at uh, Fort Stewart, and he goes to work, he leaves, he wakes up at 4.30, goes to work, comes back at 7. And the agreement was that I would be done with work. I could do whatever I want during the day, be done with work by the time he gets home. And then, you know, then we have a few hours in the evening of quality time, and then go to bed next day, do it again. So um, for that, that's what balance looks like for us. And then on the weekends, we I try to take at least all of Sunday off of work so that we can, I can just recharge and, and not be, you know, thinking about work all the time. And uh, for someone who who uh, can, is, is pretty all or nothing with a lot of things and is constantly trying to um, pull back from that mindset, it, it, it can, it can, it's really easy if left unchecked to find yourself, to find your life very lopsided. And, um, you know, when Evan was deployed, I found myself working until ten eleven p.m. at night because I didn't have that you know the boundary set for me i didn't have anyone keeping me accountable um but i think you know mutually agreeing if you and your spouse or you and your significant other can agree on okay here's what balance means for us and we're going to hold each other accountable to that um it's important to have that discussion uh so that no one is everyone's clear on expectations and no one's upset uh
0: totally agreed uh <laughs> nothing to add <laughs> I think we got time for one
1: more, Zoe. Okay, um, I want to do a lifestyle one, but all the good ones are taken. Let's see. Um, I'm wondering what this is nutrition. I'm wondering what just a week of crash dieting could do to the metabolism. I don't know that seven days of super low calorie can really do much damage. Um. I I would not be too, too concerned. I wouldn't be like, well, now you have to carefully increase your calorie intake back up to what you, I don't think you have to do that with one week. What do you think, Lane?
0: So there is a little bit of data on this. They have shown that five five to eight weeks of low calorie dieting can produce changes in metabolism that persist out over a year, okay, and one week of crash dieting has been shown That people can rebound significantly after that. So I do think you have to be pretty careful afterwards. Do I think it's going to produce a long-term effect? I'm not sure. I think it will produce a longer effect than that one week. So I think it will produce an effect for for a month or several months. Um, So I do think you have to be careful coming out of it. Um, but it's all about, you know, what you value. Right. So I, I think that people really underestimate what crash low calories can do. You are triggering your body's survival response when you restrict yourself like that. And that response is super powerful.
1: Yeah, and I think the more, uh, more than for me anyway, physiologically, I think a lot of people um, from a psychological standpoint, when you crash diet for a week, you think that, oh, now I have license to overeat. And uh, they give themselves permission to kind of binge eat, so to speak, or not not necessarily binge eat, but even just grossly overeat in the weeks following because they think that they created such a caloric deficit during those seven days. And um, that's when for me, like, you know, it's kind of like it's like a rebound. You know, you 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 think you can get away with eating a lot more than you actually can. So that you just need to be uh, I think as long as you're cognizant of that potentially happening, um. I don't think it's inherently anything to be super, super alarmed about or I don't think you have to tiptoe around it. Just be aware of what could happen.
0: Yeah, okay. So I'll take one more because I can answer it very quickly. (laughs) Should training volume be decreased when in a caloric deficit compared to a surplus if the goal is only to maintain muscle mass while losing fat? No. No. Training volume, if anything, should go up uh, when you diet. And here's the reason why. Um, Your training volume is your signal to your body to make an adaptation to grow muscle, if you lower that, if you lower the tra- the, the the adaptation, the, the impulse for adaptation, you're telling your body, we don't need all this stuff. Oh, and we're in a caloric deficit. We really don't need all this stuff. Let's get rid of some of it. So now do I think you have to drastically jump up your volume? No, but I would maintain your training volume at least when you're dieting down. Mm-hmm.
1: And I will say when uh, when when dieting, for me, um, the 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 main thing that really changes is my total calorie intake. I don't do any magic tricks. I don't start you know doing crazy routines in the gym. It's just the main difference is I'm just eating less than I was before, and then you same, see progress. Same here. Yep.
0: All right, guys. Well, we hope you enjoyed that episode of our Q and A uh, and our semi rapid fire at the end.
1: <laughs> we tried. <laughs> we,
0: tried so we did our best. Yeah. Um, so uh, we uh, have not announced our next guest yet, but for the next one, we'll get we'll get another guest on here and uh, and uh, keep putting these things out. We hope you guys enjoy them. We hope you enjoy the Q and As. Please uh, make sure to subscribe to the Physique Science Podcast on iTunes as well as on SoundCloud. And please uh, leave us a rating and leave us your feedback as that really helps us. It help, will help us get higher up on iTunes and, and get this out, information out there for more people.
1: Awesome. Thanks, guys.